Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good evening, folks. It's time for your Thursday evening edition of It's News to Us, our daily podcast, taking a look at the day's top stories. And uh, Jeff, uh, what has been our top story for much of January is our top story now moving into February. Uh, Every day we learn just a little bit more about that shooting incident at uh, Rich Neck Elementary. Um, What is the latest now? I guess we're hearing from some of the administrators or additional administrators, I should say, as to what happened there. Right. Um, And as you mentioned, little by little, we're hearing more from and actually not from directly the people that were involved, but attorneys of the people who were involved. And today was no different as we heard from an attorney who's actually Richmond based. And the comments were made in Richmond today. Uh, Pamela Branch is the attorney for former uh, Richneck Elementary uh, principal, Brianna Foster Newton. And she says that the popular story that came out like a week after the shooting was that I think it was the superintendent who said during a town hall or something that parents were uh, participating in that really no media originally had participated in. However, Wavy got an invitation to the uh, meeting through a parent. So Wavy broke the news that former superintendent uh, George Parker uh, said that administrators were tipped off that... uh, at the school, not school district administrators, but administrators at the at the Rich Neck Elementary were tipped off that the six-year-old was planning to bring a gun to school yeah. on the morning of January 6th. And so uh, that search, you know, of course, ended up uh, with nothing uh, to which details why they came up with nothing, we don't know. But the attorney for the former principal says that administrators of the school may have been notified of this situation, but not the principal. So she's saying that, uh, you know, she didn't mention anything about a lawsuit in her comments, but she said one of the reasons she wasn't taking questions was because of potential litigations. And she took a couple questions afterward, even though. She yeah. said she wouldn't take any yet. Well, and I imagine that's as much to protect her client as it is. Oh, to, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. well, there could be some litigation down the road. Right, right. And it sounds like, you know, just from from from, you know, watching this story uh, unfold, it sounds like they're trying to direct blame at the assistant principal who mm-hmm. who resigned, whom yeah. I have heard from various sources assistant principals are usually the ones that handle the um for lack of a better term special ed requirements okay uh, you know the special special needs the ieps um the dealing with un- i don't want to say unusual cases but dealing with special cases um sure. among students and right. so it looks like they're trying to direct direct blame or direct 
fault or whatever, you know, whatever the legal term is you want to use at that, at, at, at a assistant principal and assistant principal, I should say. Right. Grammar right. correct there. Who's also a former assistant. Former assistant, assistant principal. Um, right. The attorney did say, by the way, that uh, um, since the shooting happened, and of course she said the appropriate things that I'm sure that um, uh, the former principal, uh, Foster Newton, told her to say, like, you know, we're praying for Abby Zwerner's full recovery, and we can't imagine, you know, what the, you know, what the kids are going through after this tragedy. But she also said that uh, ever since that shooting on January 6th, uh, Foster Newton has gotten uh, threatening voicemails, quote, wishing her ill, which probably is a nice way of saying that she's probably gotten death threats. Death threats, or or at least threats of harm um threats you know. of harm yeah, yeah. and um and also uh it was the subject of misleading social media posts yeah. so and she also says that while it's not official that she's been reassigned but she's in the process of being reassigned somewhere else in the Newport News school district right and and well and I've got I've got to believe that's going to be a difficult um difficult deal because I mean there is going to be opposition and complaints um no matter where she goes right, um, right. you know probably be you know be in in terms of uh you know moving to uh you know there will probably be some opposition to to her taking over another school at, at, right, at this right. time just just even even if it is if the you know her her um line of events is true um yeah. there is still going to be some opposition so it'll be interesting to see where she does does in fact uh end up especially with her name her name being out there and that um, surprised me that uh, it's something that potentially could happen w- within the school district and not yeah. somewhere else so my, my, i would not be shocked if it's a, an administrative job you know down right. I, for lack of better words downtown at uh at uh you know at the newport news uh, school district, school district office news. yeah mm-hmm. so um but yeah, so again, we're just slowly but surely getting additional details on this. Of course, you know, we, we've had the family say, hey, we were responsible gun owners. Uh, the gun was was kept in a safe area. Um, we've had, the, you know, the teachers say, hey, we warned administrators. We've, you know, we've had the administrators saying, hey, one of the administrators now, the principal saying, hey, I didn't know. Just just a, a lot of different things go, going going on here with uh with this story and more is going to come out as, as time goes on. Yeah, for sure. And we'll probably, this is not the last, and we've seen two attorneys so far. It's probably not the last attorneys we'll see in the story. No, ex- ex- exactly. Um, moving on mm-hmm. from that, you uh, covered a uh, town hall with, uh, with Mark Warner today. Um, what was he, what was he talking about? Uh, you know, I've, I've caught bits and pieces of it because obviously I've been focusing on the general assembly and some other right. stuff. Um, but what was um, Mark Warner's telehall about today? It was with the AARP and they're kind of talking about the fact that uh, recent legislation and the fact to, to bring down prescription drug prices means that Medicare will begin to ne- negotiate lower prices for prescription drugs in 2025. This isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not even going to happen next year. But some relief may happen next year, but the people will notice it in 2025. So this town hall was basically an opportunity for people to ask questions of the senator 
And uh, uh, a state representative from the state AARP was there, too. There was a woman from Front Royal who called. And once again, a disclaimer that once again, we're not math majors here, but um, she uh, I think she was saying that her. um, um, Her meds. Her meds, yeah, that end up costing about $200 a month Mm -hmm. for what she takes right now. And she uh, was alarmed that one of her prescriptions was uh, rose to $900 for three months. So that would be like $100 per month uh, increase, which is pretty alarming. And unfortunately, Warner could only say, well, you know, you got to wait till 2025 for real relief, but also kind of pushed alternatives like good RX that can be used in some cases to negotiate um, lower drug prices for people. Um, He does say that there was some good news recently about um, they were able to get insulin capped for Medicare recipients at $35, but and that's a big thing. I, I mean, I've, I've seen more on, thing, yeah. more on that than anything else, but yes. Right. But he wants to have it for everybody. Yeah. He, you know, he gave a personal example of, and, and Warner doesn't have to hurt to pay for anything, as we know. And he mentioned that, yeah. that his, you know, his daughter, who's now an adult uh, woman, but has been battling diabetes for over 20 years. And Warner says that he's seen her, insulin prices go up five times, five different times. And, you know, nobody's crying for Mark Warner about what, you know, he had to pay. I would assume, I think that his daughter's now an adult and can do things for herself and buy her own insulin. But um, I, it's, it's uh, one of the things that he wants to have done to have an insulin for uh, insulin cap for everybody. And that would be, a huge thing too, but for Medicare recipients, it is. And he talked about the fact that hearing aids are cheaper than they used to be. Yeah. And that's a a step in the right direction, but still a lot of people who had concerns about their meds going up, unfortunately, you're not going to see real relief for a couple of years. Yeah. You know, everything takes time. And especially with government, it takes, it takes some time for sure. Take, take, uh, take effect. Um, Speaking of government, uh, from the General Assembly, a couple of things. One, um, it's interesting to see Attorney General J.C. Miyares come out and say, hey, you know, when we start moving towards abortion restrictions, as he, as he would like to see, see be the case, um, he doesn't think that they should go after prosecuting women seeking abortions. Not everybody who is against uh, abortion is in favor of that. Uh, you know, there has been uh, some attempts to criminalize it in various uh, places for women. Uh, but Miyares says, hey, you know, focus on charities um, for helping helping expectant mothers as compared to uh, criminalizing um, criminalizing abortion. There now, he doesn't say anything about providers, and I imagine criminalizing providers would still still be in most bills. And in fact, most of the bills that were in the General Assembly this year, whatever uh, crimes were included with those, were going after providers, not after. Uh, like probably right. Planned Parenthood places like that. Uh, it just anyone provide. I mean, I think abortion the like anyone yeah. providing providing yeah. an abortion. 
um, right. was guilty. I want to say in some of them, it was a class four felony, but I can't remember, you know, I don't have the, the, the bill text right in front of me and, and they've all been killed anyways. So it's, it, yeah, it, there's it, no restrictions that are going to happen this year. Yeah. No restrictions happen this year that really uh, abortion is going to be a major issue in the elections come this fall. Expect it, expect campaigns being run on abortion. Right. Um, and you know, if things stay the same, it'll be, it'll be an issue for many years to come. Yeah. And, and ex- expect, expect abortion, expect uh, taxes, uh, expect education, expect everything that we saw in 2021 uh, be an issue in 2023. Lather, rinse and repeat. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, on the plus side, they'll all be buying advertising. So uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and, and especially in the districts that WRVA covers. So, right, right. Um, and then uh, also speaking of the general assembly, they rejected um, a bill that would have, basically loosened uh, the ability of the health commissioner and the board of health to require vaccines, certain vaccines in an epidemic or in an emergency. Um, And and what was weird is that this one sort of snuck, snuck by a subcommittee and got to a, got to the full education health committee. And then they all went, Whoa, wait a minute. I'm not so sure that that's something uh, we necessarily want. And uh, Senate Democrats basically had it killed in, 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 in the education and health committee. Um, so the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic would mean that it only affects the country where you're currently, I mean, like it would only affect the, the U S for instance. Um, I do not have my dictionary next to me. Oh, okay. I, I tell you if it was, but it was basically a health emergency, basically, yeah, yeah. basically but it doesn't, you said epidemic or health emergency. So yeah. it would not rise to a pandemic. Yeah, no, basically, they're, they're talking about COVID and COVID vaccines, pure and simple. They're talking okay. about they, they want to if we the next COVID that comes along, they want to in, enable the health commissioner to possibly require vaccines if necessary. OK, well, I'm just, you know, you just said epidemic and that's one step lower than a pandemic. I yeah, no, well, the epidemic, mm-hmm. pandemic, you know, tridemic, whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> all the demics, all the demics. Yeah. So but that's, you know, um. Again, I didn't have the, you know, and I don't have the bill, the bill language right in front of me right now as we're doing the uh, thing, but it was, it was a health emergency. We're talking COVID. We're, we're absolutely okay. talking COVID, right. COVID here. So um, we'll continue. The next to hundred keep- years when we have another uh, yeah. health emergency, like we did a hundred years ago with the Spanish flu. Well, if you talk to experts, they're going to be more and more likely as, as, uh, as we get closer and closer to, uh, to animals and uh, with uh, global warming and things like that, that, that there's more likely that we will see some of these disease, diseases. Right. Sooner than a hundred years. Yeah. Sooner than a hundred years. So, um, but in any case, so we'll keep an eye tomorrow on the general assembly, of course, and anything else that happens, we'll make sure that we're on top of as we head into Friday uh, before, before the weekend. So, yeah. So, um, so for um, the Thursday evening edition of its news to us, he's Jeff Stapleton. I'm news director, Matt Demline. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.